Well, hello, everyone. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you again as we approach 1 John chapter 4. And Lord, it is so very clear what John is trying to get across in his letter. He wants to make sure that we know you and we're in a walking step-by-step relationship with you. And that all might sound cliche or it might even sound like that's religious talk, but may we understand how important it is to really desire to walk with you, to think like you, to act like you. Father, we we know that Jesus has, has come to teach us exactly how we can have life abundant and to the fullest. So Lord, may we, may we gra- grasp all that you have for us in this chapter, a chapter about love, but until we really understand who Jesus is and what his love and what your love for us is, Father, we are not going to be able to love others with this kind of love. And that is our goal. That is your goal for us. And what a difference we could make in our little part of the world is when we learn to love the way you loved us and the way you do love us. And we pray this all in our Savior's name. Amen. Well, I'm going to make a statement that I I thought about all week. And as we start this fourth chapter, I want you to know that I am convinced that John's goal for us is to know what it means to be in the right relationship with Jesus, to be able to to every day that of our lives that we strive to stay in that relationship. Relationships are important, and and that should be our top priority, our top desire is that we are in a right relationship with Jesus because when we're right with him, we'll be right with with those around us or we'll be able to handle or we'll be able to act the way we're supposed to act. We will see less of our emotions taking over us. We will see us with, and we're going to see in today's lesson, and um, we're going to see the word confident. We're confident in who we are in Christ Jesus. So as we move into this chapter, um, I hope you have your Bibles open. And again, there's nothing greater than opening up your particular Bible and maybe with a pencil or pen in your hand to be able to underline words, to maybe jot something in the margin that you don't want to forget. We, We have a tendency to read God's Word, but when we study it, it just takes on. We're giving him time to take these words and let the spirit really go into our heart. And that is where that is where um, all of our, our behavior and our attitudes and our actions, it all comes from there. It all stems from there. And you're going to see that more as we get into it. So here we go. Dear friends, because we've left chapter 3, and when John ended chapter 3, he in the last verse, he said, and this is how we know that he lives in us. Now, we should really want that. We should want to know without question, without a doubt, that he lives 
in us. And, and when he lives in us, I mean, we can know that, that God loves the world and he's all, we can see him in creation and, and we see him in, in different circumstances. And, but do you really know that he lives in you? And how do we know, John says, we know it by the Spirit, the capital S Spirit, the Holy Spirit. We know that he lives in us because the Spirit communicates that truth, that promise that on the day of our salvation, that the Holy Spirit took new residence from, from being maybe sitting on, on your shoulder, whispering in your ear, telling you to come to the cross and telling you how badly you need a Savior and that you're lost without him. But once you respond with a positive yes, when you come and have Jesus be your Savior, not, not the Savior of the world, but your Savior, then we've been promised that the Holy Spirit then comes to live inside of us and he will keep reassuring you and I that we can know that he lives in us. Doesn't always you don't always feel it, and sometimes our feelings see our feelings can take us down the wrong way, and then we've got to come back to just what is truth. Sometimes our feelings lie to us, and and the truth is is that this Holy Spirit, if we're willing to listen, the Holy Spirit is always telling us that he's there, that he is living in us. He's there to help us. He's there to, to show us the way. He's, he's there to keep us positive. He's, he keeps us looking forward. So because the Spirit, because we have the Spirit, then Paul, then Paul, I mean, John, John then goes on in his letter to say in this chapter, dear friends, I want you to know that there are other spirits out there, little-ass spirits. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Now, that I know can get a little spooky, but, but yet we have to, in all reality, we have to know that we are supposed to be listening to the Holy Spirit who, who lives inside of us, who will always speak truth. But again, how are we going to listen to him? How are we going to know how to listen to him better? Because our human nature wants us to hear what we want to hear. And sometimes we'll close off the Holy Spirit's advice and we will listen to other spirits because they happen to say something I want to hear better. And, and John is saying, I want to warn you that there are other spirits out there. And so you have to test the spirits whether they are from God. And he, it's not difficult. You know, there are many religions out there. And he is saying that some, some can really be so enticing, they can, be, they can sound so right and good, so John says it this way. Test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. 
every spirit, and I hope you, you always catch the difference between a capital S and a little s. We, in our, our human self, we have a spirit, little s. But the Holy Spirit, capital S, when the two spirits join together, that's when the Holy Spirit bonds with our spirit, and now we are, our little s spirit is listening to the Holy Spirit. Because the little s spirit in you and I will always be listening to someone. That little s spirit is always, is always taking advice from someone. And when the Holy Spirit connects with your spirit, that's when you are going to start choosing to listen to the Holy Spirit. But it's so tempting, again, because the Holy Spirit is not always going to give you and tell you what you want here. And so this is where John says, you know, you keep testing, and how are you going to know if you're listening to the wrong false spirit versus the Holy Spirit. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Let me read that again. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus from that, that, that any, any spirit who acknowledges that Jesus does not come from God, well, this is, this is how you are going to really know the difference. Now, take for example, there are some groups, there are some religions that deny that Jesus is God that not only he comes from God, but that he is God. And John is simply saying, whenever you hear different religions or different ideals or different, different people's opinions in that, you have to make sure that, that we know, that you know, that Jesus is not only a man, he was not only a man for 33 years, but he is and always was and always is and always will be God. Now, Jehovah's Witness, Mormons, Muslims, they all acknowledge Jesus, but they, they will not acknowledge him, and they deny Jesus as God. But then there's some that, that say that Jesus, yes, Jesus is God, but that he really wasn't a man. And so this is what John is saying. You have to make sure that you've got the two. Jesus is both. The true Jesus. And see, that's why you have to watch out for the false prophets that try to say that Jesus is one or the other. Jesus is both. He is God and he is man. And that's... According to John, that is when you can know that you are on the right track. When you acknowledge Jesus for who he is, both Son of God and Son of Man. This is the spirit, he says here, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. That's what he says. Every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. You've got to acknowledge him as both. 
this is the spirit, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. Now, Antichrist, it, it's anything against Christ. Now, we know in Revelation that we're taught about the Antichrist, but John is just saying, just be mindful of the fact that if there is anything or anyone that is promoting anything that Jesus is anything but God and man, it's Antichrist because we know Christ is Son of God and Son of Man. I know I'm taking a long time to make a simple point here, but it's such an important point. And it was important for John to, to say it to us because it can be so sly. It can be so, it can, it can just slip in without even us knowing it. So just keep in mind that you either are a believer in Christ or, or you're anti-Christ. I mean, it, it is just one or the other. I don't think it can be made, said any clearer. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which, have, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. Already in the world, we have people who are against Christ. We've got people in this world that just will not see the importance of knowing Jesus as God and man. I mean, it's so important that we know that he is a sinless God, the second person of the Trinity, but it's also so important that we know him as man, that he took on the form of a man with blood so that blood could be the sacrifice for you and me. It's just essential that we know them both. Jesus is both. And if you cannot accept that, then you're against Christ because that's what Christ stands for. You, dear children, it's, it's, really, it's really quite beautiful because um, John comes and makes that statement. I mean, anytime you see this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you've heard is coming and even now is already in the world, and you, know, you start getting nervous and maybe even thinking, oh dear. And, and it, is, it is important that you do sit up and perk up and take notice that this, that this is all around us and we can't just put a, our head in the sand. We've got to acknowledge this as reality, that, that the attitude of an Antichrist is all over the place. And you know what? <laughs> we have an enemy, which, which is you know, Satan himself, and I'll tell you, he doesn't care. He doesn't care what you believe in except the saving power of, of Christ, that he's God and man. Otherwise, Satan could care less what you believe. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't care at all. He's not threatened by that. The only thing that the devil is threatened with is the blood of Christ, the saving power, the bloodshed of Jesus Christ. And then John comes back in verse 4, you dear children, you are from God. What a comeback. You don't have to be afraid. You don't even have to be afraid of the enemy himself. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. You've, you, you have the power 
because of the holy capital S spirit, you have the power to withstand all those other spirits, even the devil himself, once you accept Christ as your Savior and you're in a walking relationship with him and you're working at that relationship, John is just simply saying, you're going to be fine. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Oh, isn't that wonderful? Isn't that such a relief? Then no matter, the fact remains that there's a lot of antichrists around. There's a lot of little as spirits that are trying to sway us. And there's even the devil himself who doesn't care what we believe except he just doesn't want us believing in the saving power of, of this Savior. And, and when we have responded to that power of the Savior, that's the power that can withstand it all. They are from the world. They, they are from the world. The littlest spirits. They're from the world. The Antichrist, those who have decided to stand against Christ, and they will not accept him for who he is and the importance of who he is in our individual lives and how necessary he is in our life. That's who they are. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world. I, I, I stopped this week just to think a little bit about when we say the world. The power that is within us is greater than the power that is in the world. And we have to recognize that that is a powerful power. I mean, it, it really, self is really a power source. We do want what we want. And so we have to acknowledge that we do have to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. But if you are not controlled by the Holy Spirit, you are going to listen to the viewpoint of the world. And what is the world? It's just sinful humanity. The world stands for sinful humanity rebelling against God not wanting to hear, not wanting to listen, not want, definitely not wanting to obey, not believing that God's word is fundamental in that relationship. So when he says they are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them, isn't that the truth? And we're living plunk in the middle of that right now. And that this is why John is saying, would you, would you just stop and, and see who you're taking your advice from? Whose viewpoint are you listening to the most? And if you're listening to the Holy Spirit's viewpoint, you're in his word, you're listening to, to an almighty God telling you, these are the tools I've given you to live a life abundant and full and complete, satisfied. Or are you listening to the viewpoint of the world, which is sinful humanity? It's, it's listening to those rebelling against God. 
And, and we know that we spend a lot of time listening to the viewpoints and the advice of people in the world. I think if you and I would really be honest, we've, we listen far more to the opinions of the world and the viewpoints of this world more than the time we spend in God's word. And this is what John is just, I think I just hear his, his intensity. He's pouring his heart out. He's given us a big old warning sign. You have been given God's spirit who will, and God's word, the greatest tools you can possibly have that are totally sufficient to keep you and I in that right relationship. He says here, we, we are from God. He's saying we, whether it's the apostles, whether it's the message, we, his helpers, we, we have committed ourselves, our lives to the gospel of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus. We are from God and whoever knows God will listen to us. If you really know God, then you want to know him better so you'll keep listening to the teachings because there's so much to learn. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. I hesitated to say this, this story. I, I'll never forget, someone called me and told me that a person that I know and love was on it was going to be passing away soon and i just wanted one one more one more chance to be able to come to that person and and so i went to this person's house and i sat by their bedside and i took their hand and i started quoting verses from scripture that just gave such hope and and the promise of a savior and that we don't have to die lost. We can, we can our, let our earthly bodies go, but know that Jesus will take us to be with him forever. And I tried, I tried, I was going over these verses and, and all of a sudden this person who, who is hardly even conscious anymore still had the choice and the power within himself to push my hand away and tell me and, and, and push me away from, didn't want to hear. It was so obvious that they did not want to hear. I still, I mean, I still have that picture in my mind. We who are from God, whoever knows God wants to hear Tell me more when you're in that state. Wouldn't you tell me more? Tell me more about my new home. Tell me more in the, about the fact that I can know I'm going there, that Jesus paid it all. Tell me more. But that's why he says, but if you are not from God, you, you don't want to listen to us. You don't want to hear that. I guess that verse really resonated with me because of that experience that I saw with my own two eyes that you can get to that point in your life hardly even conscious and yet still be able to push away 
where you need the most. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. You see, you can't play down the middle. And I think there's so many who want to play down the middle. And John, like Jesus, you can't play down the middle. You're either a believer and you believe Jesus and what he came to do and, and how, it, how he changes your life through his spirit and how he wants you to live because he's given us his word and his commands. Or you can live your life the way you want to, but it's day and night difference where you're going to spend eternity. It's going to be day and night difference on what comes out of your life. The life of Jesus gives you a fulfillment. You're content and satisfied. You're confident. All words that the world wants, but they don't get them because assurance and abundant life and confidence and that is made complete only in Jesus. John moves on and says, Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is love. Do you ever, when you're studying a book of the Bible, do you ever try to see what maybe the theme, the main point is, is you know, you kind of sum it up. And, and whether it's true or not that this was John's last hurrah, his, his last writing message. I mean, even Paul knew that when he wrote about in 1 Corinthians 13, faith and hope and love, but the greatest of these is love. I mean, love, God is love. And love is the most important thing. But again, we are so not taught what the love of God really is and looks like. We have let love, and I mentioned this a week or two ago in our study, is there's different kinds of love. You know, there's a sexual love. There's a love with friends and family. And, you know, there, there are different kinds of love. But that's as wonderful as they all are. The love that John is talking about, the love that John experienced himself, I believe, when Jesus washed his feet. That's when John started realizing he was the beloved. I think we all need an experience in our life where we realize that we are his beloved. Because we need to get to understand what his love is. And John pretty much says it, doesn't he? You don't even need me to explain it because John did a beautiful job. 
John loves to go back to the beginning. I think we've talked about that. We saw that in his gospel. We saw that in his letter. He loves going back to the beginning. Where is our beginning? I know that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But according to John, our beginning is when we came to know Christ. When we decided to say yes. When we went to the cross and experienced the lavishing of his blood and his grace upon us. When we realized we couldn't do it without him. This is, this is the beginning. This is, this is where we realize that he loved us this much and it goes beyond any kind of other love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Here's your definition. This is what John says. You want to know what love really is? Here's your definition. This is love. Not, not that we loved God. No, we can't even say that. We can't really even say that love is, well, we love God. No, nope, this is, this is what love is. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. If you want a definition of love, that's it. I call it unconditional. I call it grace-filled. I mean, it is a beautiful thing when you're watching his love work through you. I was singing one time, and there was this, this very um, ornery, mean man that did not like what I was singing. He, we were in a public place, and he thought I was infringing on his rights, and he made quite a scene. A scene that was very hurtful, it would have been so easy to, you know, to let your human, your human feelings take over. And yet what took over for me, and I'm so grateful, and I keep going back to this because this is what John wants us to see, that we will act and look and be totally different if we are captivated and if we are lost in his love. We will look at someone else who's done nothing but hurt and be mean, And I remember, I remember I just started to sing Amazing Grace. No piano, no. It was totally a cappella. I just started singing Amazing Grace. And, and it, during while I was singing, I just prayed, Lord, you know how. May I love this man through this. May I love him the way you. May I be the tangible mouth and hands and feet that, that Jesus so willingly went to the cross and demonstrated, may I have that kind of love for this man. And so I just shut my eyes and started singing the, the one song that just, to me, depicts that love, that amazing grace. How sweet that word sounds. That saved, that grace, that kind of love saved a wretch like me. Oh, I was. I was a good church kid, but I was lost. 
but I realize that I now am found because all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And I, I chose to believe that that was even me, the good church kid. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And then I'll, that song, I think I, I say it so many times, even maybe in, in this letter of John, because it, it's so love. It's so love. And when I opened my eyes, this man, this man was up by me. And instead of thinking that he was going to um, hurt me in some sense or shut me up somehow, he said to me, can you show me, can you tell me about this Jesus, this grace? His whole, his whole person was changed. That's what God's love can do. And, and if you... And if you don't always get that kind of response, you can at least know that you at least gave it, whether they receive it. That is up to them. But I chose not to go with my emotions, and I chose to close my eyes and go with the real love of Jesus. I pictured what Jesus did for me, that kind of love working through me to this unkind man. And I watched him come to know Jesus as his personal savior. I think it always reminds me that it's in this kind of love that people respond to. It's not in our, it's not in our superficial, I'll do for you if you do for me, and this kind of thing. It's just downright, this is what love is, John says. Not that, you, that we love God, but that he loved us. Sent his son as an atoning sacrifice. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. I'll never forget another time I was sitting at church in Chicago, and and. There were two children in the very back row, and they were very, oh, they were very loud. Every once in a while, they were just out would come an outburst, and and you know it's very distracting, and it's hard to keep your train of thought and all this kind of thing. And yet there was something I thought I just instantly said, Lord, I just need to have your love come working through me, that my emotions, that my human feelings don't get in the way, and that I just, that you will enable me to just keep showing your kind of love. And afterwards, this couple came up to me with their two children, and they were just weeping, and they said, we just can't thank you enough for not asking us to leave. My, our children are autistic, and they just love music wonder if I would ask them to leave. wonder if, because I was getting distracted because I didn't really believe that God could work through this. Now, they just had naughty kids. I'm telling you, I just, I get chills sometimes when I think about it, and I wish I could say that I've done it right and perfectly every time, but I, and because I haven't, I know what John is talking about here. Self can get in the way so much. And he says, no one has ever, he's a difference since God so loved us. We also ought to love one another. His kind of love enables us. 
one time I was in a nursing home and I'd been down to, to love on this older man and he put me in a headlock and I couldn't get out. We needed, they needed two, two people to come and get me out of that. And I said to him, I says, why do why? He says, because I'm determined to take you back with, into my room with me because I want to keep you. <laughs> Isn't that something to just laugh? I love it. The love of Jesus, even in the conditions of this poor old man in this nursing home, it, the love of Jesus, people need it. They want it. Sometimes they don't even know what they need and want. But Jesus is so, when he's evident in your life, you put me in a, in a hole because he was determined and he was strong. But when he said, I just wanted to keep you. Oh. You know, that is, that's how, how important God's love is in us. Wouldn't our world be different if Christians would even love like this? Oh, John, he is, his, his letter here, no, it doesn't, doesn't take a lot of room in the scriptures, but I'm telling you, John is saying, I saw him, I lived with him, I experienced that kind of love. No one has ever seen God, not in his fullness. We're going to. That's, that's exciting to think, isn't it? That's, that's what we're living, that's why we're moving forward, because someday we will see him. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So in other words, we can we can actually see God in all his fullness. However, if we let his love work in our life, we will see, we will see even through us, even though we are sinful human beings, God's love is so powerful and it can work through us. People can see God in us. Isn't that chilling? Isn't that, isn't that something that we should want, that, that we work at this relationship? You know, we've also often saw this little triangle when, it, when we talk about relationships, and we see this at weddings a lot, a triangle, and we, we see God at the top, and we see um, each individual, let's say two people, uh, one at one corner and the other corner, and, but we see God at the top, and yeah, that's right, but you know, I saw this week something else about that triangle. When every every human relationship, whether it's marriage, whether it's with children, whether it's with difficult people, whatever whatever relationship. And remember, we have seen that God cares about relationships and the main relationship he wants us to be working on is the relationship with him. But I saw something about this this triangle. Is that the two people, the two humans at the bottom if they're if they are if they are drawing closer and closer to the top if they are really desiring and working at so again whatever relationship you with an individual again you can put your own people you and whoever needs if you are if you are two people that are, are drawing and you want to be drawn closer to the top of that triangle closer to god 
Not only, John is saying, not only do you draw closer to God, but you draw closer to each other. Because you're, you're taking the far distance and because you're working at getting to know God better, then you find out that you're getting to know each other better and you're getting closer and closer to God and closer and closer to each other as you move up to the top of the triangle. That's how I believe that God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. That's how we work relationships. We know, verse 13, we know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. Did you ever see a book of the Bible repeat itself so many times as what John has? He has repeated phrases over and over again. But he doesn't want us to miss this. We know. We know. That means no question, no doubt. We know that we live in him and he in us. Now that's a tight relationship. And we know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. John is saying, we testify we have been, we've seen, we've heard, and now we've been sent. He is saying, he is saying here, we have seen and we testify that God the Father has sent God the Son to be the Savior of the world. We've experienced this. We know this. And if anyone, anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Until we come to grips with God's love for us, we will never be able to live it out to others. Love, remember, different kinds. But the love we should want is the love that only God can give us. And only, only if we are willing to get to know our God are we going to be able to know his love for us. And then we can live in that kind of love. And live out that kind of love. And I'm telling you, that is such a great way to live. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God. And God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this world, we are like him. In this way, love is made complete among us. God is love. We find that love in him. He then instills that love in us and we have got a complete love relationship that no matter what happens to us, whatever happens in the world around us, no matter how many times we read Revelation 6 to 20, we don't have to fear judgment because we are so confident in who we are in Christ. Because we have been made like him. We have that confidence from the Holy Spirit living in us. And we have that confidence that someday when we see him face to face, we will be like him. 
but he's already begun that work of change in us now. There is no fear in love. There's no fear of how, how the end times are going to be. There's no fear in what's going to happen to this world and what's going to happen on the news. There's no fear in this kind of confident love, this kind of love that God wants us to live in. Perfect. It's perfect. Perfect love drives out fear. The more you understand God's love for you, that real kind of love, and you're in that relationship with him, you find that your nerve level, your stress level, your panic level, you will see it starting to change. Because you are confident of his word, of what he has said, what he's promised. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment See, a lot of people are afraid of judgment because they're, they're, they're fearing. They don't understand that Jesus paid it all. Our sins have been washed away, past, present, and future. They don't live in that kind of confidence. But you and I can. We can live in that, that we, can, we don't understand all the details and there's no way our human mind can really fathom all that's going to happen. All we have to know is that we're in a walking right relationship with our Savior. And that kind of perfect love will drive all fear away. Because we're not going to stand in punishment because Jesus took it. Jesus took our punishment. The one who fears is not, has, is not made perfect in love. We don't have to live in fear because of his perfect love. And if you are, are living in fear, then you have not experienced his perfect love. You think this chapter isn't serious? And how many Christians have really missed the depth and the intensity of really understanding and wanting to know what God's love really is? And what it can mean in our lives. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says I love God yet hates his brother, he's a liar. You can't possibly have that kind of perfect love working inside of you. The kind of love that he promised to give us when we come to him. And still hate your brother. You cannot hate, hate, and we have seen so much hate. We have seen so much hate in our world. And he's saying, you're just lying. If you, if you can say that, oh, I love God, but you hate your brother, for anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. I kind of reworded that. I, I kind of put it in, in little different terms. I, I wrote, we show, we show Jesus who we can't actually see right now. We show him who we can't see that we love him by loving those that we can see. When Jesus sees you and I loving the people, he is saying, that's proof to me that you've got the real thing. That's why you're lying if you say that you love God and yet 
You are so governed by, you know, and I, and I dare say it, you're, you're governed by, oh, maybe a particular government party, or you're governed by, oh, social status, financial status, um, race, all those things that I think we are starting to really see in our world today that's dividing. And John is pretty much saying, I got the answer for you. But you got to look at your own heart. It's so easy to say that you love God. But if you hate your brother, you really don't. You've never experienced that perfect love that Jesus had for you and I on the cross. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command. It's a command. Whoever loves God must love his brother. What a way to end this particular chapter. It's a sit up and take notice. I guess you got to take a look. And I know I did. I thought I had to take a look at my heart and say, do I have a clogged pipe of some way that is inhibiting God's love that he had for me at Calvary? How come that love isn't working out of me to others? What's clogging the way? Because John says that when you understand his love and when you feel accepted by his love, that same kind of love can work through you and I. Can transform us. So, you know, I guess I can't help but ask us how much do we really, how much do we really love Him? How, how much do we really understand? Do we really know His love for me first? The more I, I study and find about what his love for me really entails, what it really meant, and what did he say? This is love, not that you love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He gave it all. And then he comes back and says, and that same kind of love can be in you. Take a look, huh? Take a look. See if you are really loving. And if you aren't, if there's too many conditions to your love, then maybe you need to go back to the cross and see it clearly and see what, that, what love really looks like. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The three in one, making this so real. Life-changing real. What a life, what a way to live when we can live in your love. I pray this all in our Savior's name, who, yes, made it possible. Amen.